When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, same order as last time. Liz one, Tyler two, Johnny three. One, two, three, three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, Johnny for for. I swear you said Johnny three. Yeah, you you. I did, and I was wrong to have said that. <laughs> Let's try this again. I was like, what? I don't know. That's, that's like, what do I what say? Am I? What do I say? What am, is no, two, what am I? Tyler okay. three, Johnny four. <laughs> oh. Don't you come for my spot, Omara. <laughs> he, he, he did what I said, but what I said was incorrect. <laughs> I'm an actor, I but read the words on the page. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those situations where everybody is right but me. <laughs> Oh, it changed the order of people's appearances for me. So I'm going to say one. Tyler, you'll say two. Johnny, you'll say three. And Liz will say four. We'll go to eight. Are you sure I'll say three this time? <laughs> hey, this time, Johnny, this time get you, you get to say three. <laughs> one, two, three, four. Okay. Jeez. I should have said five. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, you're killing so it, man. I'm you're just, killing it. I'm out of it. It's all good. <laughs> So, who wants to start? Who should I check in with mm. first? John it. All right, baby, we're going to do it. <laughs> so, we return to Upper Nordia, where, Jonnet, you are currently under the effects of the Underswell, a curse that uh, mariners can cast that makes it feel as though you are walking through waist-deep water. You just run much more slowly, and it's very difficult to do anything. Your reaction to this, uh, because you were sort of caught by the spell in a very tough spot, you decided to vault yourself over the side of the wall and connect with Margaret, who was currently being menaced by a group of about five mariners. You fell down on top of one of these mariners, and I, I think, like, you and Margaret are on one side. Technically, there are more mariners on, on the other side of you, but these ones know about you. So you come down and hit one of these mariners heavily as they were beginning to advance towards Margaret. Margaret sees this happen and I think dashes forward to pull you up to your feet. Jonnet! Uh, I... My, my legs aren't working the way that they normally do. I'm slow. Also, look out! And so... Jonnet is going to do some earth magic and I'm going to spend some strain. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. And uh, is Travis below us in terms of the staircase? Yes. Travis is significantly okay. below you in terms of the staircase. All right. Well, then I apologize to Travis because Jonnet is going to take a like a four foot stretch right past Margaret and he's going to just like remove the stair from it and just make it an incline for the mariners to fall down. Ooh, okay. All right. I think this is going to be a hard check, but it will provide a significant tactical advantage. Okay. Let's see. Pull this up. Oh! Oh! 
I don't know how to feel about this. Okay, uh, so that is t- two failures and one triumph. Damn, damn. Okay. Like I, okay. That feels just like John causes a mudslide. Yeah, I kind of think that is what happens. Um, but it's got to be a beneficial sort of mudslide because like the danger here is you also have members of the Uhuru crew kind of on Gable's level that are making a stand or what stand they can against the flow of Mariners who are moving up these stairs. Uh, Until very recently, most of the Mariners were just trying to bypass Uhuru pirates as they could so that they could establish numbers in Nordia. Um, but once, uh, like, I think that strategy was introduced by Ahab uh, and managed by Ahab. Now that Ahab is down, I, I don't think they have that guidance really. So Gable's in the middle of a fight. So if you do cause a mudslide, it is going to threaten Gable and all of the pirates that are with Gable, which to me, like the consequences of a failure on trying to do something like this implies that. The, the stairs don't work. And I would want a triumph to actually tip the battle in your favor in some way. Um, hmm. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to thread that needle. My pitch would be like, instead of making the, the stairs maybe around myself or John and Margaret sort of cave and become just inclines, maybe for some reason, this floor beneath both of us like shoots us up to the top of the hill. Ah. Oh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So I, yeah, John, it strikes a dynamic pose because these mariners are encroaching. Y'all are kind of like down. It's not really an alley, but like you're on a wall on one of the levels of Nordia and you can kind of look out over the procession of mariners that are moving up the staircase of Nordia. Uh, You might, if you were paying very close attention, be able to spot the fire on Gable's sword. And coming from the other side, there is this group group of uh, like four mariners, a fifth one that has been knocked down that are kind of encroaching on you. And on the other side, it sort of leads into this major staircase. And so Jonnet, while he's knocked someone down and and, uh, Margaret has pulled him away, you are still facing down this critical threat in front of you right now. But Jonnet, kind of being the benevolent person that he is, is not really thinking of protecting himself as much as he's thinking of what needs to be done to protect the people around me. And so he's focused part of his attention on this staircase that has this procession of mariners. Like, I think the first couple mariners that managed to bypass Gable and the defenses that the other Uhuru pirates have set up on the lower stairs are just sorting to start of come up and join the forces that La Llorona is running to intercept the civilians that are being ferried out of the town square right now. So you turn to that staircase and you try and focus your magic on it. But at the same time, you are being threatened by these other mariners. So I think partway through the spell, like Jonnet sort of puts a defensive arm out in front of himself and then crouches himself to the ground to slap the cobblestones beneath him. And create a connection between the magical tendrils in his body and the earth beneath him. And he's planning on doing the fine work of smoothing down those stairs to make an ascent more difficult for the people advancing on Nordia. But as he's doing that, a mariner like comes up with its sword out, moving so quickly, dashes towards Jonnet and Margaret. So at the very last second, Jonnet shifts his focus and just pulls the wall of the building next to him out and smashes them, crushing them underneath this wall, uh, putting up a barrier between Jonnet, Margaret, and the Mariners who were advancing on them. And then this happens. Uh, Jonnet looks back to Margaret. Uh, 
Can you give me a piggyback ride? Uh, Margaret, yes or no? Despite the <laughs> tense situation, you 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 say that it takes like Margaret a second to really think through what what you have just asked, and she grabs Jonnet by the shoulder and swings his arm around her hip, and kind of glides with you almost almost like a dance like maybe maybe in a dance an adult <laughs> would do with a kid at a wedding but <laughs> like i'm on her i'm on her toes <laughs> yeah but you can also see and kind of feel that as margaret is is moving in this way and moving with you because your eye is open right now and you're sort of taking in uh, the magic of the universe around you, you can see that she is guiding you between the, the pathwaves and currents of this curse, that she is maneuvering you around it so that you can move freely. So some of her magic is is going into this moment. We we have to get you out of here and to the ship. And Travis, Travis is in... You have to come with me. You, you Don't just think about yourself. Uh, Travis is, is is stuck in, in the lower portions of the city. I, I uh, we, we we have to wait for him or, or create a path. Okay, I can I can help with that. And Margaret says that, and as she says that, you round the corner together, and you can see La Llorona standing at the top of this staircase at the point it intersects with the thoroughfare from uh, the main square area of town uh, that connects it to the skyship port, uh, you can see her facing off against Toku and horrifically the people around them moving slowly as though they are affected by the same curse as Jonnet. And you can see the the moment that I described, I think sometime in the last episode, that one of the mariners has stabbed one of the civilians in the hand with a dagger. And that's right. That has affected them with a mariner's mark. Uh, so they are currently bolstering the size of their forces. Now, to add to this little bit of tension, I think we are going to cut to the deck of Il Sanguidio. Right now, I think Nodos is kind of looking out, uh, trying to spot the positions of their opponents. And so we see through the hazy, dim look of this spyglass that Nodos is looking through uh, that, that has droplets of water in the way and, and you know is appearing into gray mist. We can see the eerie ghost lights of the Mariner's ships, the larger ships from his fleet, which are sitting beyond the land barrier of the cove. And looking through these, we can see something dark rising behind them. And slowly we realize as it gets closer, it is a massive wave. And this almost tidal wave that is washing closer looks as though it is going to swallow up these ships in entirety. It crashes over them, enveloping them, and washes into the bay. But as Nodos, like, calls out to the people around him, tidal wave, tidal wave! We can see it envelop the ghost lights on those ships, wash over the cove and spill out onto the beaches a little bit. We can see after it is done washing that emerging from underneath that inky black wave are the larger mariner ships. They have been washed into the bay by a wave. As they come out from underneath that water, they begin to fire. They fire a volley at Il Sanguidio. They fire a volley at Upper Nordia. And a volley at the Skyship Dock, where the Uhuru rests. So, uh, I am going to make some rolls here. 
One roll is for three advantages, but no successes, which is good. One roll is going to be a failure and a threat. And one roll is going to be two successes and two threats. So, okay. Here's where we're at. Um, you you have those three results. So somewhere you're going to take damage and people are going to get hurt. One place you are going to uh, be shot at but actually end up ahead somehow. And another area uh, you're going to be shot at and it's going to cause you some difficulty. So between the targets of the skyship, uh, the Uhuru, which is docked, Il Sanguidio, which is in the sky, and Upper Nordia itself, where do you want to assign those? Where are you interested in being challenged? My vote would be keep the ship safe and then we can figure out the, that was exactly what I was thinking. Uh, like, yeah. have it be a wash with the Huru with like some disadvantages, and then have the El Sanguidio come out better for it because that's te- okay. technically could be to our advantage. I think that makes the most sense. I think because <laughs> here's what happened because Nodos shouted out tidal wave to the crew. I feel like that information gets back to Slam, who is still, I guess, at the helm of this <laughs> ship. And oh. Slam just decides to turn the ship. He's got no real reasoning to do this. He's like, yeah, exactly. It's a ship in the sky. The wave is going to be so far beneath them. But he turns, and I think he's actually positioned the broadsides of Il Sanguidio towards uh, the oncoming dangers. So when they get to act next, they will have two blue dice. Two to blue dice. Wow! 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 Yeah! 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 It's. Uh, I mean, there were three advan- or three threats to uh, the Mariners' forces rolled off that. So I feel like that's appropriate. That pool um, is pretty good. We then turn to. The Uhuru itself, the ghost fire cannons, the, the, these like green, blue-green lights streak through the sky and explode on the docks in front of the Uhuru. And we can see in the illumination of these explosions beneath the tarp that is currently covering the Uhuru, we can see the collection of townsfolk from Nordia and sky pirates who are working on the rest of the scrape. We can see people with these barrels of alcohol, like just washing it on uh, freshly scraped areas of ship while everyone else is using chisels and sledgehammers to knock off the thick shell of Skamalik that is covering the hull. We can see that On the lower part of the hull, it appears to be really the only places left where Skamalik is present. The rest of the ship, especially around the rudder and guide sails, uh, it appears to have been cleared away. And I think we can actually see Uhuru pirates are currently restringing fresh rope into the pulleys that uh, are attached to the guide sail and rudder. So we're almost ready to launch there. But I think some errant ghost light actually lands onto the tarp that is covering the Uhuru, and it catches fire. It catches fire with this ghost light. And you'd think that, ah, it's very strange to have a fire affect something that its whole job is to be wet. But that is the danger of ghost light. It is the mariner's fire. It can burn things that are even wet. There are shouts from people working on the Uhuru that there is a fire on the tarp. And if it is not dealt with swiftly and successfully, then it threatens to burn away all of the protection, which uh, could really endanger any sort of long-term travel plans for the Uhuru should you not be successful in this battle. 
as that happens, like we're, we're, we're kind of looking at this ghost light starting to lick its way across the tarp and someone darkens the frame of our shot as we quickly turn to Upper Nordia where boom, 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 cannonballs rain down on parts of the town that are now sitting up atop these hills and cliffs. Like I said, there are... You know, people who have just built homes that are kind of on stilts on the side of this sharp incline that's overlooking Upper Nordia, and it's sending some of these buildings just down into the town, like literal homes crashing down on businesses and other things that are in downtown Nordia. It was three damage that we were dealing with. There are three, three successes that we were dealing with on top of the dan- damage of cannons. So I am now going to ask, how much of this do you want meted out to the citizens of Nordia? And how much of this is going to affect the Uhuru crew? Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 uh, well, also... The damage, I vote crew. Yeah, the, because we statistically, since we know everyone's hit points, no one is in the danger zone even yet. So no one that you think you care about. Uh, so <laughs> we can take this uh, damage point by damage point. Uh, there's 13 damage on the table. <laughs> Uh, which means 13 rolls on the Ahuru death chart. That is um, a lot of that's rolls. That's a lot of you work. Yeah. So what if what if we split that? What if like, all right. Uh, you know five. what? I will roll on the death chart and you can tell me when you'd like to split. <laughs> that, that'll that oh. be a fun kind of mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> Who's worth more? Who's worth a stranger's life? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ethics, baby. This is the train. This is the trolley problem. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So the first roll was 63, which affects no one. So you're good. Great. Civilian. No. <laughs> the second roll is 50. Also doesn't threaten the crew. Civilian. The third roll is 27. And it hits on the Uhuru death chart. And the person that goes out is Polly Shore. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I all, just, just all to 13 points. remind... All 13 points. Oh, no. <laughs> Even though he was in a bubble, he did get into trouble. Johnny. <laughs> so just to remind people, this is Polly Shore spelled S-H-O-R-E. So uh, it's like Polly yeah. Shore, but kind of a nautical pun. Yes. Um, Isn't that how Polly Shore spells I'm his name? I'm pretty sure that's how Polly Shore spells his name. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. <laughs> well... Uh, so no, I guess our guy, ours is Polly Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we see Uhuru pirate Polly Sure. What, what 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 task has Polly been given that puts him in the line of danger when a literal house is sliding down a mountain onto him? Uh, Wheezing the juice. Mm, okay, okay. So he's he's not even really uh, working to perfect the uh, protect the civilians right now. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like no. so he kind of had it coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is is this uh, modern day Polly Shore? Do we think or or I think like this is like 1986 vintage. Polly Shore. Okay. Oh, height of his powers. Okay. Height of his powers. <laughs> yeah, his <laughs> dark machinations. <laughs> Lots of bandanas on his wrists. Pre, we see pre-goofy movie Polly Shore out <laughs> in piratical gear, drinking uh, some bog wine, and you know, hitting some sort of pipe. We don't really know what sort of substances. Uh, may, maybe it's just rope. Maybe he's just token some rope. He's partying, and then boom, crushing down on him. Polly Shore is now dead. Oh, oh, wow. Well, he 
Didn't have oh, any wow. points, I guess. He had a zero hit points, <laughs> so that fool dies immediately. <laughs> Polly Shore, okay. not a going concern. Uh, that was, I believe, our third roll. We have ten left. Uh, oh, jeez. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. We are sailing into the second week of our Kickstarter for Skyjack's Call of the Sky, the first volume of the soundtrack to Campaign Skyjack's. Now, in our first week of the Kickstarter, our first day actually, you managed to blast past every stretch goal we could think of. So we had to take a while and think about some new ones. After we did, I posted our first update and said that the first new stretch goal would be at $25,000, and you managed to pass that one before the update even posted. So now, we've got a much longer list. Starting at 31000 and every 1000 after that, our resident bard, Arnie Parrot, will include chords for songs that appear on the album. If you manage to take us to $34,000, you'll get chords for Call of the Sky, Skyjacks, Lighthouse, and Way Hey Ho. Then at $35,000, cast members, friends, and pop music devotees, Johnny O'Mara and John Patrick Cohen will listen to the entire album and review it on an episode of their podcast, Bill Buds. I'm looking forward to knowing which ones they say are skips. We do have more stretch goals to come, but that's all we're going to announce for now. Hopefully, you'll blow past these just as quickly and we'll have to get even more creative. We'll announce what the $25,000 stretch goal was, along with details for the other stretch goals later today on an update for the Kickstarter. If you haven't already, please head over to Kickstarter and search for Skyjacks the album or head to bit.ly slash callofthesky.ks and back the project today. Thank you all so much for your support. Before we get back to the show this week, I want to take a moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. First up, we've got a name correction, Nevi Fury. Thank you so much. As for everyone else, we are currently between lists here at the OneShot Network. So, if you want to hear your name on air, and you'd like to hear it sooner rather than later, please head to patreon.com slash oneshotpodcast and sign up to become a backer. Current backers at the $15 plus levels should look in their inbox because our $15 backers have received instructions to claim their dice rewards and our $25 plus backers have received instructions to collect their free t-shirts. Thanks so much to everyone who supports this network. We wouldn't be able to make programs like this without you. And a huge thanks to everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way... Let's get back in the sky. Eighty four. That's okay. Yeah. Sixty three. Also safe. Sixty six. Very safe as well. Let's keep it in those 60s. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's to six now. Seven is 82. Y'all are getting very lucky with these rolls. Yeah, I know. No beloved characters are threatened. Uh, 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, I think think that one counts for two. We can agree that that one counts for two. Yes, nice. Uh, so that uh, brings us up to eight, I think, or nine. There's no way to know. There's there's no way to know. I'll, I'll be uh, mean and say eight. Um, <laughs> 71. Okay, that's safe. So that's nine. Ten is 64. Y'all, these dice really like y'all. Eleven is three. Oh, and three is the big man, Wendell Barge. Oh, no. How? So, well, 
This is one of the things that narratively all this means, all the Uhuru death chart means is that someone on the Uhuru crew is getting threatened. And while it makes most narrative sense to deal with the threat of uh, this cannon fire right now, there are all sorts of threats that can go on in this battle. So in in the air, there was a moment where hearing tidal wave slam just decided to bank the ship, which opens the broadside of the ship to the enemy fleet. So they're, they're in a good position to shoot, but it also means a pretty hard tack for the crew. And a lot of pe- a lot of crew are, you know, at cannon stations and, and readying themselves. Like, we know Nodos is on lookout, and we know that Slam is on helm. So to me, it makes sense that Wendell is the one who is right now at the furnace. And so a hard tack comes. Wendell is immediately in front of the furnace, shoveling some coal underneath this tarp. And there is an unexpected movement in the ship. And he has to reach his arm out to ground himself. And it is his zombified arm. And once again, it touches the heat of that furnace, which is truly, truly brutal. And he would be very badly burned. But Wendell... Thanks to our friend Dref has a zombie arm and that is not going to be an injury that kills him. However, he does lose a hit point. How many does he have? I will reveal that Wendell has four left. Okay, he's fine. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And the next Oh yes! Oh yes, yes, yes. Whoa. What? The Who's next that are you on, James? Well, this is, this is our 12th roll, I believe. And the next is number 13 on the list, Ryan Lochte. Yes! Oh! Yeah! <laughs> Ruin him! All right. Bring me the flesh! <laughs> so, Lochte is down uh, downhill in the middle of the woods. Uh, he gets mugged for real. <laughs> <laughs> he is currently leading this what we found is kind of a pretty valiant effort to divert the forces of the Mariners fleet uh, away Go from Gators. the main battle. <laughs> However, uh, he kind of got drawn out into the open and he had to decide how he wanted to engage. And, you know, he had the decision that he could have gone to connect with Gable or continued in this pretty foolhardy effort. And he made the foolhardy choice. So I think what happened, that tidal wave hit the kind of murky area uh, around the woods where Lochte and his crew were fighting. Um, And so, like, the camera goes dark and chaotic as he's underneath the water, and eventually the sea recedes, and Lochte is disoriented. He did manage to keep hold of his sword, and there is a mariner immediately above him. The mariner swings a sword down. Lochte catches it with his own and makes some wild swings with his sword to get some distance, some space between himself and the mariner. He's unsteady on his legs. There is water everywhere. And now he's like kind of squaring off and then through his chest from behind, the blade of another mariner pokes through. And I think takes his wallet (laughs) and he is robbed for real but also (laughs) fucking dies Ryan Lochte no longer a member of the Uhuru crew he was another character with zero hit points and nothing to protect him from death he was really punching out his weight class yeah he really was had he been in the water he would have survived (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh, it would have been, you know, kind of a silver medal survival, but like still survival. I mean, the fact that he survived at all, like to be included is is huge. It's Yeah, it's an honor just to be on the podium. It really yeah, us, truly. <laughs> uh, thank God. Uh, and we're doing the last roll. That is 47. That is safe for the Uhuru crew. Y'all, 
managed to not lose your nerve at all during that tense, tense moment. You only lost two crew members. They were both crew members based on real people. Um, (laughs) So now we can't get sued. I don't know if like fictionally killing someone truly defends you from uh, being sued, but you know. Uh, we'll leave that to philosophers and lawyers to discuss. <laughs> um, in the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we move on. Uh, there are a lot of things that we could immediately address. We've got Travis uh, figuring out where he is. We've got Gable, uh, who just wrapped up a fight on the staircase, and we've got Il Sanguidio in the air that kind of has a shot lined up. I would love to resolve the boat because we've got this nice dice pool that I would like to take advantage of. Yeah, let's do it. Liz, uh, let's have you take the helm there. Okay. So we've got three for each of the three named characters, plus the two blue that you gave to me. Yes. So So for three named characters, you are rolling with three yellow. Yes. So you said that in the bay, instead of the three small ships, we have two big ships now, or... Uh, so in the bay, you had the two small ships. Now you have three big ships that have like kind of washed in with it. Three big ships. So what three is my difficulty? Your difficulty is going to be, well, what are you trying to do? Where are you targeting? The biggest ship. You're going to target the biggest ship with a, with a volley of cannon fire. Yes. Okay, cool. Then... Uh, the difficulty for that, I, I think you're in prime position. It's it's an average check to hit with cannon fire from, from this high above. Average is two? Average is two. Two purple. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's on the ground. Oh, God. <laughs> A success and five advantages. Hell wow. yes. Okay. So I, I, I think like... The Uhuru pirates that have boarded Il Sanguidio, you know, they were setting up these cannons to fire in rotation. And I I think this is a complete volley that they have managed to line up. It rocks the ship violently with the explosion of cannons from like one half of the ship all firing at the same time. The heart bell rings out with, you know, a a deep ring because it is a heart bell, but, you know, it's also the fanciful silver heart bell that was on Il Sanguidio. So it is kind of a sweet and deep ring that mixes with the cannon fire, wind and rain sounding as there's a huge explosion of fire that lights up this silver gilded ship. And the cannonballs sail through the air down onto the decks of the largest ship in the Mariner's fleet. And I believe they strike the main mast of that ship and send it crashing down. Um, We're also going to take damage against the Mariners. So I will take away from their resources here. That's what happens when you send the beef boys. Yeah. Let's go to the beach. So uh, that deals 10 damage uh, to these drowned sailors in just a brutal volley uh, that has destroyed the main mast of this flagship. We can see chaos ensues on the deck as, like, that mast creaks and cracks and lines begin to strain and snap. It falls down onto the deck. There are mariners who are right now aiming cannons on that deck who are just crushed beneath it. And we can see stepping out from behind the helm in full relief for the first time, I'll look at the Mariner himself. The Mariner 
is gaunt and pale. There are pocked areas of his skin where it looks like perhaps there are barnacles growing beneath. He also has kind of a bluish green haze about him. He looks a little bit like the ghost light. It is not so much that that, that he is bright and burning in the murky haze of the storm and darkness, but more unlike some of the other things in the ship, which, which might be concealed by the shade and shadow, the mariner stands out in a way that is unignorable. But apart from those things, there's nothing really about the mariner that is remarkable. The horror in his look is the same horror uh, that you see in the rest of the drowned sailors around him. He just looks like a person that is not very well cared for uh, and has been ravaged by the sea. Um, but he, he looks out over the chaos of this ship and then silently turns his focus towards the shore. So with that, we, we can move on to the next thing to resolve. And I think it should be... Travis, I think. Travis. Yeah, we... Yeah, let, let's let's catch up with Travis. Travis, you are currently mm-hmm. kind of blending into this crowd of of sailors uh, who who are on their procession towards Nordia itself. Whatever partial transformation you've gone through, which I, I believe is causing you a good bit of pain right now. Oh uh, yeah, you are concealed for the time being. What do you do? What's your plan? Um, so I, I want to make my way to Gable. Okay. Uh, so you're actually going to try and move up to Gable. Let's just make this a good old fashioned stealth check. Uh, I think it's average because you are well disguised right now. Oh, well disguised. You say average is two. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, I think, I think Papa gonna make this. This should be something that Travis is very good at. So, yeah, that's three successes. Ooh, okay, yes. I don't think uh, the Mariners really give a second look to you. I I mean, Mm -hmm. most of the people in this procession are not really uh, thinking for themselves so much, or even. You know, it's hard to tell if they're thinking at all. Uh, It is kind of a slow droning procession of people marching forward, not like a marching army that is moving in unison that they're all kind of like shambling and stumbling inexorably forward towards the stairs and up the steps. But I think as long as you don't do anything to stand out, you can easily make it over towards Gable. Which I think will bring us to Gable. Uh, Gable, you just struck down this big leader. I, I, I think there was a time where all of the sailors around him were like, it, it feels like they shorted out for a second. And suddenly uh, your part of the battle took a sudden turn in your favor as the Uhuru pirates that were crossing swords with mariners as they were trying to push their way past, you know, suddenly made a lot of headway and, and cut down a lot of mariners very quickly. But slowly and surely, especially after the big crash of the wave against the beach, uh, they've begun to move once more. I'm just going to keep on attacking then. I don't think Gable has a whole lot of wherewithal to stop. So. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they do either. <laughs> so, yeah, roll it up. Roll roll an attack. Uh, you've Hold got on. no individual targets who are of any special note. And to clarify, you said that you want me to be rolling for with the blade of judgment or no? Let's see. Uh, so, yeah, you you you, you should at this point, I, I think when you're raging, unless we're in like very specific circumstances, you're probably using the, the blade of judgment. Okay. So, so roll with the stats around that. Okay. 
And how many how many friends? This is a melee check at this point. And, yes. and technically you're making a melee check against, against all of them. the crowd of mariners. So uh, it's an average check. Because but they haven't moved against me yet. Not specifically. What ability are you are you? Quick strike and stacking. I, I think, you know what, in this circumstance, I'll allow it because you did just sort of strike a blow that like shorted them out, as I said. So okay. yeah, they're, they're like slowly rolling forward. All right. are so good. I think you have like automatic successes and advantages no, baked in. Yes, but also okay. <laughs> that's two triumphs and a success. Wow. Holy shit! <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Double tri... <laughs> Fuck. Gable. Can Gable like just do the thing like in Star Wars where you throw your lightsaber and then it just comes back. Then Ameri- can can they Captain America? Their just mole near the, the sword. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I have. I've got something that I could offer t- to you. Yes. What if, like, because I mean, t- two triumphs. Th- those those are two crits at least. So like, you're at least taking down two. Mariners there, the damage that you're doing with like two successes, uh, the successes that you counted, are they also including the triumphs? Because the triumphs count as successes as well. And no, so the, the it was two triumphs and one success and two triumphs and one success. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, so what we could have you do, especially with two triumphs, is I feel like Gable could dash forward like through this procession of mariners and basically onto the mariner's ship to like cross blades with the guy himself. Like that kind of feels what two triumphs would do, you know? Is he anywhere close though? He's, I mean like, so he's out over, he's on the larger ship, like on the water, on the ship where the mast just fell. Mm. Uh, so sure. Oh, two triumphs though. Um, but that also undoes the fun, the good story that we're telling. Like if I keep outrunning Travis, that we're not going to resolve that. True. Okay. Then what I think we could do. uh, Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. So, I, Liz, I want you to describe for me, like, there are probably a dozen mariners that are around you, like, in this immediate procession. Please tell me how Gable takes them out, what that looks like. How many did you say? Or did you, a dozen? Like a, like a dozen. At, at this point, numbers don't matter. I am going to be <laughs> taking this. I'm going to be taking the actual numbers out of the collective hit points, but I think, like, in the story, you're clearly taking out so many more threats. <laughs> now that Tyler's got it into my head, um, it probably is a combination of magic and melee. That's the only thing that makes sense, even though we didn't roll for magic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think what happens is there is an onslaught of maybe three guys three mariners kind of getting to their feet and getting ready to grapple and what happens is that with one cut down to the right gable puts down their foot and for some reason that stomp that foot stomp has kind of a earthquake effect and you hear a shing and another shing and it kind of reverberates that same strike starts hitting back across the line as if the the blade itself was like cutting down and down and down ooh okay uh, like an echo like yeah like an echo cut like an or echo something? effect something ooh. like that yeah well like ooh let's i want to i want to make this even more in our thing. And I, I like that because 
you know, that feels very anime. That feels like very uh, uh, Street Fighter arcade Sonic Boom Hadouken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's skyjack it up a little bit. We've described divine magic as, you know, connecting to the pathways and channels of the universe. What if you with this sword and with the fire of this sword are simply breaking and disrupting certain pathways in the universe. So like lighting them on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you kill someone with this sword, essentially what you are declaring is there is no future for you. You break the future for them. You burn it away. So, like, you, you cut and, like, we can see this massive interconnected lines because you also saw what the Mariners looked like before. And you saw what they looked like with divine eyes. You know they are kind of this weird cluster of interconnected lines. So you strike at the cluster itself and it shatters like glass and those shards catch fire and burn away into nothingness. And I I think it is, it looks similar to uh, the effect that we had before where like maybe there's a little flash of ghost light, but it's immediately overtaken by by the gold flames uh, that are licking on your sword. So like they like you, you slash and cut and and maybe it's more than one cut like it it starts with a single mariner and then you move to another and to another until you are able to attack the thing that binds them all at once with a big slash but I think at that slash you whirl your sword around and plant it into the ground and Here's my double triumph roll, my pitch. I think the fire from your sword moves across the ground into a massive wall that divides the city from the beach. There is now a wall of flames that separate the procession of mariners from the beach. And what I'll say, because this is double triumph and no disadvantages, nothing bad at all, I will say... (laughs) right in front of like like you, you you plant this and then like turn with uh furious eyes right beside you to the person that merely looks like a mariner Travis Matigo <laughs> hey like who is this still here <laughs> yeah cuz you did that um, cut that killed all the other mariners so like why is this person here Travis draws his gun what? <laughs> Gable draws their sword. Yeah, uh, Travis, looking at Gable right now, you can see that this is one of those situations where Gable's pupils have, like, dilated to encompass all of their eyes. Like, they are full on in angel mode right now. Yeah, well, I'm half snake. So. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. All right. We did it. What? We nailed it. Fuck. Nope. All right. I did it bad. James, no. I ruined it. And I ruined it for no reason. We didn't even clap. (laughs) I'm just so eager to be past this. It's fine. Oh, man. One. Done. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We return once again to the captain's quarters of the Uhuru, which are stuffed to the brim with bags of mail uh, containing letters addressed to the Uhuru and her crew. Dear Spit. (laughs) 
Our right today to inquire as to your well-being this season. We missed you at the annual picnic this year and wanted to send our love. The many party games, including the sack race, uh, the pinning of the tails, the slippery obstacle course, and, of course, the pie and hot dog eating contests were not the same without you there. We hope that you are staying limber and hope to see you soon again with love big mama sounds like personal correspondence yeah spit this should have been delivered to your p.o box don't know why well i mean uh, it was addressed to the uhuru crew i mean the letter itself was personally addressed to me but it was addressed to the uhuru crew with the instructions that it be read aloud Uh, i mean that's fair i guess my first question is um they had a hot dog eating contest and then a pie eating contest well is that what you normally do well, it, 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 I mean, yes, and then there's the combination. Both at the same time? Yes. A hot dog pie? <laughs> well, no, not... I mean, I don't know that you would call it a hot dog pie. I'm going to stop this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop it. I'm going to press pause. And then I'm going to take the VCR out. And then I'm going to put it in the closet. The what? <laughs> The VCR, the, the the video recording device that I have. We're going to put this and we're not going to, we're, we're going to do, we're going to put it away for like 10 years, then we're going to sell it on eBay. And that's what we're going to do with this particular event. But I'm so curious. Yeah. It just feels like you're, it's, a, it's a recipe for just people f- having a terrible next day. Uh, honestly, I th- a bad afternoon. Well, I, I think that's, that's any that interaction the next with day does not feel great. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I got it. Did you do you compete in either one? Do you do both? Oh yeah, I compete in as many of these contests as humanly possible. Sometimes even beyond that. Oh wow! Spit. Looks like this video recording got a bid of a thousand dollars on eBay. Wow, I must sell this right away. Get this out of my life as soon as possible. On wow. what bay? eBay. Electronic bay. Ah, <laughs> uh, I understand now. <laughs> Man, did anyone else notice that Gable's eyes have rolled in the back of their head and they're just kind of talking and they have a very distant look as though they're speaking and looking into the future? <laughs> I feel that way sometimes after the hot dog and pie eating contests. <laughs> I what is the prize spit? Why would you do this to your body? I see a handheld device that glows <laughs> with the light of the sun, and on it I see words written without ink appearing before my eyes, occurring at the same time on another device that my friend is holding Gable, their Gable, hand. Gable, <laughs> Gable, This is getting dangerously close to cross-promotion, and we will have none of that here. Oh, oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I had another one of my episodes. Well, hang on, hang on. Before we continue, I'd like to crack open a nice ice-cold PBR easy. Now, that I will, that I will approve, because as is canon, that's my favorite beverage and you know what it goes well with a big and toasted from dunkin donuts that's the right of my fingers Dun- are disappearing <laughs> <laughs> are falling apart oh no oh no <laughs> travis unsay that thing you said well, hang on hang on let's uh let's get uh baritone barry's cousin chuck barry in the room uh because I really want him to see what Travis is about to do with this big and toasted and this PBR easy. <laughs> He's been looking for a new treat to eat. <laughs> and I think this is it. <laughs> Quick, write, write him a letter. <laughs> I never realized that baritone was just a first name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh. that's, that's that one, for sure. 
Because that means Jerkoff is a first name, too. Someone named their child <laughs> Jerkoff. First name Jerk, middle name Off. <laughs> it's Dash. First name Jerry. Jerkoff. <laughs> yes. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @campaignpod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Jonet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at ATPTunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.